Every day, I feel like I'm seeing and hearing about new technologies. For me, I love all of the innovation, first and foremost, that have come around payroll and benefits. We now see that other types of hybrid work or remote work are possible and even profitable, and I think that'll be good in the future. The bigger disconnect, it's not that people aren't ready for it. It's not that they don't want to do it. They're maybe not aware. It's an awareness problem, I think, more than anything. I always wanted flexibility. I always wanted to work remote. I always wanted to, you know, be able to connect on something like Zoom or, you know, video. And now it's here. And now it is difficult. There are challenges and we don't work the same way that we did before. But it does feel like people are a little more open to change than they were three years ago. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Atomic Conversations. Every fortnight, we interview a top HR, IT, and business leader about the new world of work we are now part of and try to find out how to build the digital employee experiences of the future. This is your host, Sairam Krishnan, from the founding team of Atomic Work, a startup that's bringing this podcast to you. This week, we are talking to one of the stars of the HR tech world. Trish McFarlane is the CEO and Principal Analyst for H3HR Advisors and the co-host of the At Work in America podcast. A former HR executive and product leader with over 20 years of experience in big four public accounting, PR, healthcare, manufacturing and IT, Trish now brings that knowledge to her clients as an analyst and advisor. She's also a delight to talk to and learn from, as you'll see. Let's get to it then. And once again, welcome to Atomic Conversations. Hello, Trish. Thank you so much for joining us at Atomic Conversations. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation. We've been following the stuff that you've been writing. We've been following the stuff you've been doing at, you know, as part of your talk show radio, which I really love. And a lot of it is to do, I think, with HR tech, you know, which is your specialty, of course, and innovations around it. And so that's where I wanted to begin, Trish. I was listening to a podcast of yours. And so I really wanted to get into that very quickly. Do you think current HR products are doing enough to innovate, uh, to help people leaders? Because I think employee experience is changing and I know you've said that as well. So do you think we are doing enough as HR tech? That's such a great question. I think that for now, my answer would be yes. However, with a little caveat. So I think that having worked as an HR leader for almost two decades and kind of been on the receiving end of buying technology, using technology, at least here in the States and in some other countries as well, the actual process of how we guide people through the employee journey is still relatively unchanged, right? And so the innovation for an HR leader almost seems impossible to to stay up with. So in that regard, if you're asking me as sort of like with my HR hat on, I would say yes, the innovation is absolutely where it needs to be. It's sometimes it's even maybe too advanced. If you're asking me though as an analyst, I do think there are more things that we can be doing. And I'm really excited because especially in this conversation with you, when you think about having artificial intelligence enhance some of the more difficult, mundane or routine processes that really bog HR departments down and that bog employees down, that's where I think that real innovation there is going to make such a huge impact much more quickly than maybe any other type of innovation. Wow, thank you. You said this word journeys, Trish, you know, employee journeys. By that, do you mean onboarding or like what were you thinking about when you said that? 
For me, it's really the entire employee life cycle. And I would count even before you're hired somewhere. So whether that's even maybe a talent community that you are trying to create around your brand to get people aware of you as an employer, all the way through hiring and onboarding. And of course, while people are working there, but I'd even extend it once they leave your company. I'm part of many employee sort of alumni associations once you leave the company. So for me, it's that entire life cycle that you have, that relationship and with whether it be a potential employee all the way to a former employee. That's such a brilliant answer. I really love it. I think HR leaders are aware of this and they want to do something like this. This is certainly my understanding of it. And I think what's not helping them is the technology. I think the technology has to come in and help them sort of do this for the entire employee life cycle. But that's such a great answer, Trish. I love it. I think in another podcast that I was listening to of yours, you said something really, really interesting to me. You said that in HR tech, you see a lot of things, you know, changing, but then also remaining the same. What did you mean by that? I just wanted to like, you know, pick your brains on that. Yeah, no, thank you for listening. First of all, I love that you've listened to some of them. For me, it sort of goes back to the fact that, again, I think that sometimes technology of any sort, it just changes more quickly than people are ready to absorb and consume. And so you might go to a mid-sized company, you know, a thousand people, and they're still doing everything on paper or they're doing some processes on paper, right? So I think that it goes back to this idea of we as technologists want things to change more quickly because we see the value in that technology. So I think the real challenge isn't that people aren't wanting to do things more efficiently or effectively. If you're an HR professional, you really don't have time. Your attention is so divided among all of the sort of things you must do from a compliance standpoint to the things that you want to do to be very creative with your employees to give them that more maybe personal experience. And all of that takes time and attention. Mm -hmm. And that's where that disconnect for me is. So I see tech companies really doing an awesome job of trying to make those connections for HR teams. And then HR teams are still just trying to play catch up with, let me give you an example. I was talking with someone about well-being and it was an HR leader and she's like, oh, all of this is so new and I can't believe it. And I went and looked back on my blog and on the podcast. We were talking about this a decade ago. So that just shows you things that you and I think of as this should be everyday commonplace. It's just not yet, which leads a whole lot of opportunity for the vendors in the space. Okay. Do you think is one of the problems, Trish, that we aren't listening to employee problems and not problems, even like issues a lot more? Do you think that's one of the reasons? That's such a good question. I mean, that can be part of it. I don't want to say no. I think what it is, though, is that people in their day-to-day jobs are overwhelmed. And so, again, we're doing HR technology every day. It's very common for us, right? It makes sense. And when I really think about being back in the HR role, that wasn't on my mind every day. So I think that's maybe the bigger disconnect. It's not that people aren't ready for it. It's not that they don't want to do it. They're maybe not aware. It's an awareness problem, I think, more than anything. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I definitely think that if we were able to like bridge that gap, I think we'd be able to perform a lot better. Yeah. Do you think employee behavior has changed in any way, Trish? Especially since the pandemic. Like you're one of our top analysts. I wanted to ask you this question because, you know, you know this. Right. 100% it has changed. So obviously you mentioned the pandemic. I mean, that's just working in a different way than people are accustomed to. Even though if you think back, a lot of people wanted flexible working and remote working and organizations just were not ready to get 
give that. And so then when it was sort of forced upon us, then there was a little bit of backlash like, ooh, I don't know if I can work from home or I can be focused at home. Now that we're kind of three years past that beginning, you're starting to hear people say, wow, when I look back at my productivity was higher working from home. Even though we had some challenges, whether you had maybe childcare challenges or pets, you know, as we record this, I've got like two pets in the background here that, you know, you just have all these other things to kind of be conscious about in your workdays. And I think we struggle a little bit with working more, right? When you're working from home and everything's accessible, you yes. might work at more hours or something. But, you know, I think overall, though, the biggest change for me isn't even the pandemic. That, of course, changed where we work. But what I'm seeing is it's truly the millennials and now Gen Z who are going to be a majority and they want to work differently. So I think that when you think about the younger generations who have been wanting a different kind of work environment, they want more flexibility. They want all these things. And, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and we were thinking like, no, you don't need all those things, right? Now we see that it's possible. So in that way, that's maybe the silver lining of the pandemic was that we now see that other types of hybrid work or remote work are possible and even profitable. And I think that'll be good in the future. Has the world of HR and HR tech responded to that well? Because there's so many complications there, right? Like even in onboarding, we spoke about onboarding. Like what does good onboarding look like for a hybrid company? These are things that we haven't like encountered before and we don't know what the best practices are. And so like a junior HR person can't, for example, come up to you and ask, hey Trish, how do I do this? And like, are we responding to that well, do you think? You know, at first, no, I think you're right. We didn't have any experience with sort of having to create something so quickly. But I've seen a lot of different organizations really in a matter of a month or so kind of change the entire way that they address their people. They're changing the entire way they communicate with their workforce. In one regard, I saw many HR professionals I talked to going back and just looking and almost doing an audit of what are the technologies I have and what are the capabilities. I mean, you've been in technology a long time as well, and I know that there were many times when I would maybe take a new job and you ask people, okay, what are you using and how are you using it? And then I'd find out, well, there are 20 other things we could be doing in this piece of technology that we already own that we're not using, right? So first, I think what happened was a lot of just what do we have? Do we have any tools in place that can actually help us communicate with our new hires better, communicate with our employees better? So you saw a lot of that around communication. I think as the pandemic has worn on, though, and roles are not going back to an actual physical workplace as quickly as we originally kind of hoped. I think that you're now seeing HR leaders and other C-suite leaders proactively reaching out to other organizations who produce technology to solve for kind of the future, if you will. So first, very much reactive. Now the turn in the last six months definitely is more toward a proactive approach to what technologies are out there. And I think that's where a lot of startups are going to see some benefits, right? Because they can be more nimble and creative and get something up and start more quickly. And I can't even tell you how many really large enterprise businesses are gravitating to those kinds of companies to help them in putting something together that maybe one of the big providers just doesn't offer. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Like, what are you seeing, Trish? Like, I know you've been looking at new tech that's coming along in HR. What kind of innovations are you seeing and what is like exciting to you? 
Well, you know, so much is exciting. It's like every day I feel like I'm seeing and hearing about new technology. For me, I love all of the innovation, first and foremost, that have come around payroll and benefits. And I think that mm. it's a combination of some things that are very core that you must have. And then there's a whole lot of things that are nice to have that are built in. I won't talk about specific vendors, for example, but just there, you know, you can be paid more rapidly. There is a better understanding of people working in different states than maybe they had lived before. So there's a lot more flexibility and needing solutions that can account for, you know, various tax implications. Maybe you're working in a different country than you did before, right? Kind of living out the dream there. So there are all of those kinds of compliance things that technology is now addressing that it didn't before. I think, too, there's a lot of innovation around personalization still. That was something that was talked about a lot before, and we didn't see a lot of it in the products that people had. So again, people might have a legacy system right now that doesn't offer that. But if that's where they are, that's where I think they would be looking to maybe make some enhancements is what kind of technologies can really give each person the type of communication. It's not that we all just need more communication. Too much is noise, right? Yes. We need tools that can actually help us connect in the way that we're comfortable connecting. And for some, it's video. For others, it's audio. For others, it's written. So again, I think we're starting to see leaders think about that a little more than we did before. Because before the pandemic, it was very much the leader would say, you know what, this is the message. This is how I'm giving the message. Whether people like it or not, they can come to it. And now we're flipping it, I think. Yeah, I don't think forced is the word, but it somewhat comes close in the sense that we are being compelled to actually look at these things and make changes. Makes sense, Trish. I love that you say compelled too. I mean, that's a key change because I don't think three or four years ago, if we were having this conversation, I don't think you would have used that word. We would have done just whatever we were already doing. So yeah. while a pandemic is horrible, it has brought some interesting opportunities for technology. Yes, definitely, Trish. Also, you you mentioned this before. AI is a huge component of this. That I think AI can be used to also, in a way, for leaders to address even almost individually, you know, employee issues, not issues so much as like employee journeys, employee behavior. If a certain set of people want to work a certain way, now I'm pretty sure that could be, I mean, I'm not sure if it already is, but there could be at some point a certain way to allow people to work just the way they want, how they want, and, you know, even connect and communicate the way they want. Absolutely. Again, we've kind of dreamed this for the last 20 or 30 years, right? We've always, like my entire career, I've been working about 25, 27 years, something like that. And I always wanted flexibility. I always wanted to work remote. I always wanted to, you know, be able to connect on something like Zoom or, you know, video. And now it's here. And now it is difficult. There are challenges and we don't work the same way that we did before. But it does feel like people are a little more open to change than they were three years ago. It would have been a lot harder for me to go to an executive level person in an organization and convince them why having personalized employee communication enhanced by AI was important. They might think like, oh, that's the future. I don't need to worry about that yet. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, wait, now they're compelled to use your word. They're compelled to go seek that out. Yeah, the digital transformation part of, I think it's almost unsettling in a way. I think we have to, because as you said, like, for example, you know, a young person today will come to work with a certain kind of understanding and a certain kind of, there's a word for it that I'm looking for, but they want a certain kind of engagement. And if we are not as employers, as HR leaders, as managers, if we are not able to give it to them, I think that's unfair because the world that they are now in is not the world that, you know, at least like, you know, I worked in. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. If you've been in the work world for maybe more than 10 or 15 years already, we were kind of trained, and then nothing wrong with this too, I might say. We were sort of trained like you listen to your leaders. You do what you're told. Mm -hmm. You show up when they want you in the office, you are in the office. When they want you to do X, Y, Z, you do it, right? And I don't want to say that leaders didn't respect their employees, but not in the way that you're seeing it today. Today, it feels like, and again, it's not every company, but it feels like leaders are more human, right? Because they've been thrust into this world of pandemic work as well. And now they understand maybe some of those challenges of having to work from home, having to balance childcare or elder care or unexpected expenses, right? Unexpected health issues. And maybe those leaders were kind of removed from that. As we all get removed, as you kind of get promoted up through your career, you get a little removed from the people just joining the workforce. So to me, this kind of compressed that a little bit in a good way. You're definitely in a good way. That's a great answer. I think when you said, you know, leaders are more human, I noted that down. I think that's sort of going to be my lead into the marketing for the episode. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So Trish, I just wanted to like bring it back. We've been talking about HR tech for a while. I just wanted to bring it back to like, you know, I love something that, you know, Jeff Bezos says. He says that don't worry about the things that are going to change. Worry about the things that are going to remain the same. I mean, I've obviously mangled it, but I think we get what you're trying to say. I wanted to ask you about some basic stuff, not basic so much as some of the fundamental stuff that's the better word the fundamental stuff that we are facing as people working and not just as like you know HR tech or technology people do you think tech leadership especially and people roles even more so have a burnout problem right now the reason I'm asking you this is because I've heard you speak about this and the next thing is that you alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation I think tech is sort of always on these days we aren't able to you know switch off from work there's emails there's tweets there's something or the other always on HR even more so because there's constant recruitment What does this person need? Is this person going to stay? Is there a problem here that we need to address? Do you think we are having a burnout problem and is it worse than before? Wow, that's such a great question. I think the quick answer is yes, we do have a burnout problem. Whether or not it's worse from before, I don't know if it's any worse. I do think that we're much more attuned to it, which is good. And we talk about it more, which can be good and bad because that in itself can cause stress and anxiety, right? Right. Just the thought of constantly talking about what's wrong, what's wrong, why are we burned out? But it's a conversation we need to have with ourselves, with our teams. And so in that way, it is good. I try and go in my mind all the way back to when I was just out of university myself. I hoped you'd do that. Yes, I wanted to draw on your experience. Yes. And I remember, so I was working at PricewaterhouseCoopers, large, you know, professional services firm. And I can remember partners, so people who were in their 45 plus, right? Very well-respected career executives at that point. And they would tell us, I remember I had one woman telling us that you needed to take care of your health and you needed to hire out things that weren't a valuable use of your time. For example, she was like, oh, I have a nanny and a housekeeper and someone to do my lawn. And right, she was listing off these things. And it sticks with me because at the time I'm sitting there thinking like, I am 24 years old. I can't afford all that. What are you talking about? That's crazy, right? Like it was just insane. I thought she is so out of touch with me as a new hire. There's no way that I could afford to have someone mow my lawn, right? Fast forward to now. And why I bring that up is I think what technology does for us is if we're actually introspective and we use technology and figure out, okay, what parts of my life are causing me this burned out feeling? Is it childcare? Is it elder care? Is it things around your house, right, to take care of where you live? Is it food insecurity? Is it overall anxiety, maybe just mental health? Is it a financial problem? 
All of those things I just mentioned now have, if you need it, a fairly reasonably priced technology solution to help you. And that's the difference. I think it has made having help, first of all, have asking for help or saying, I'm having a rough day, a rough week, a rough month, right? It's more okay to say it. I would have never gone at that age 24 to my boss and said, I'm really struggling with these hours. You're, you know, I just wouldn't have done that. That was not okay back then. So I think maybe the long answer to your question is, I think that we are much more open to saying what we need help with and being introspective. What we're not as good at, though, is taking it to that next step. We know we have tools to help us. We're not as good at knowing or doing and using those tools. And that's where I think we can improve in the next few years to really try to reduce that burnout. That's a great answer. Thank you so much, Trish. I wanted to also ask you this, you know, as we wind down the end of the conversation, how does HR come through what's going on right now? There's so much uncertainty around tech roles and, you know, jobs. There's a bunch of stuff that is happening for the first time for a long time. The last time we saw this was like more than 10 years ago. And HR is at the forefront of this. They're having to bear the brunt of, you know, layoffs. They're having to go and talk to these people. And then they're going to take tough decisions even more because companies without people means that companies will struggle and there's like business problems pop up when you need this one critical person to be hired quickly and so on. Have you already spoken to people about this, about how things are right now? And how do you think tech can help? I'm so glad you asked this. And you actually kind of touched on part of what I'm going to say my answer is, which is good. That means we're kind of lining, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we come from a little bit different perspectives here. Mm -hmm. I think that it is being talked about. Executives are worried. They are not sure how they are going to keep their businesses afloat. If you go back to the quote from Jeff Bezos there, I mean, kind of the idea of, and I use sort of a version of that all the time, it's only worry about what you have some control over, truly. Because the more that you spend time thinking about hypothetical and things like that. I'm not saying you never do that, but you can become obsessed with, oh my goodness, a recession, what's going to happen? Look, that's when, to me, you pull everything in, inward. You think about, okay, what are the key roles that we need filled to keep this company going and profitable? If you're a CEO, a CFO, whatever, sit down with your HR leaders and your teams, right? Have these discussions. I think it has to be also cross-functional discussions. It Mm -hmm. cannot be solved by HR alone or by technology alone, right? So this is the time to bring in those IT people. This is the time to bring in anybody. You're marketing, you're head of marketing, right? Because they have the pulse on what's going on outside your company quite often. So sort of circle the wagons and think about, okay, what jobs do we really have to keep full and are they filled right now? Who are the ones that we really need to make sure we keep here on board that we already have? You know, And I'm not even going to call them top performers because they might not be your best performer. I'm going to call it a key performer. Mm -hmm. Okay, again, critical, critical roles. If you focus the most of your energy on that, keeping the core business running, then any extra time can be kind of spent on those hypotheticals and what ifs that come at you. But I sort of see a lot of organizations doing the flip of that. They're so worried about the big picture and they don't worry about their own backyard. And then it's a little too late. And then they start losing people in those really key positions. I think also be open to being creative. This might go back to a little bit of the shift we're seeing as individuals that we're more apt to tell our boss or our colleagues when we are kind of needing help, reach out to your clients, right? If you are having a tough time filling a role, get creative with that. Maybe one of your clients has someone in that role. Maybe they'll job share with you for six months or, I mean, this is what I'm not seeing a lot of. I'm not seeing the HR teams and the talent acquisition professionals getting super, super creative on how to fill needed roles. So again, your client base is some of your biggest fans. They want you to succeed, right? So I would be leaning on them and saying, how can we 
we partner together? What jobs do you have open that you just can't get filled? Do I know someone in my network? I'd spend much more time on that sort of activity than I would on trying to give people a dollar more per hour. I just don't think you're going to get the return on it if you just focus on money or if you focus on some of the things people are doing right now. Wow, there's just so many quotes in there. I'm just going to have to like write that down and like take that off into tweets so that I can read them to you. Thank you so much, Trish. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolutely lovely conversation. And as I spoke before, I'm going to take you up on that. I will try to bring you up in for like a much longer conversation very, very soon. I would love that. Thank you so much. It's good. It gets the creative juices flowing. Thank you so much, Trish. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Atomic Conversations. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please help the podcast reach more of your colleagues by sharing it and rating us on your favorite podcast app. If you have suggestions for future guests on the show or folks you'd like me to speak to, you can email me at sai at atomic.work. That's S-A-I at atomic.work. Remember to check us out at atomic.work as well, where we are building the smart employee experience platform for the modern enterprise. I look forward to meeting you again soon. Until then, this is Sai Ramkrishnan signing off. Thank you.